We see the pain and the promise of being chosen not only in Abraham, but also in his grandson Jacob. Jacob wrestles with God one night, or for most of his life, depending on how we read his story, and lives to tell about it. In fact, he prevails against God, persevering to the point that the divine wrestler sees that he could not overpower him. We see this in Genesis chapter 32, verse 25. And that would have merited a rebuke, but in fact, uh, he's given an honorable name, a name change, and that founding of a nation by that name. And God births Israel in this encounter. This God of relationship apparently invites wrestling from those made in his image and lowers himself into a genuine give-and-take relationship, a give-and-take connection with them. It's true that he requires faith, but he also provokes questions and honors those bold enough to struggle with him. A God who created people simply for a master-servant relationship would never tolerate such a thing. A God who created people for intimacy would. And that's the kind of God we see from the earliest pages of Scripture. Jacob's story begins the same way his grandparents' story began, with barrenness, a barrenness in his mother. Now Rebecca can't conceive. For some reason, barrenness is the significant theme in Scripture. God gave Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Hannah, Elizabeth, and other women the children they desired, but only after many long, painful years of waiting. It's a picture of the circumstances we all face, whether for ourselves, the dreams and the desires we long to have and hope to be fulfilled, for our families and churches and the mission and the purpose of God that He has given us, or for our world, which is waiting for the redemption, the broken groaning of creation. God is a master of bringing hope out of hopelessness, fruitfulness out of barrenness, fulfillment out of impossibilities, and even life out of death. Eventually, Isaac and Rebecca are blessed with twins who seem to battle for primacy even before their birth. Esau is born first, but barely with Jacob grabbing his brother's heel on the way out of the womb. The competition continues for years, and Jacob uh, steals his brother's birthright, slightly older brother, who gives it up far too willingly. When the time comes for Isaac to give his sons the family blessing, Jacob and his mother deceives Isaac, giving Jacob the blessing intended for Esau. This leads to Jacob leaving and finding a wife in the old home country. But really, it was to rescue his life from his violent tendencies of his enraged brother. It is in the midst of such uncertainty, passion, conflict, and guilt that Jacob encounters God. He has a dream, a nighttime vision of a stairway between heaven and earth with angels going up and down. Above the stairway, God himself reiterates Abraham's covenant to Jacob the one who will now be carrying it forward. To Jacob, this place, a, a place of meeting, had just been a place to lay his head for the night, but God was there. And Jacob names that place Bethel, which means the house of God. And God's holy presence there prompts a very conditional vow. 
If God will protect Jacob and bring him safely back to the land one day, then Jacob will be loyal to God. As tentative as this promise is, it's the first significant step on an even more momentous spiritual journey that will shape salvation history forever. And that's what significant spiritual steps do. They shape history. Jacob could not have known that the journey would lead to the love of his life, a bride named Rachel, and that marrying her would bring him face to face with the same kind of deception he had inflicted on his father. His mother's brother, who was now becoming his father-in-law, switched brides before the ceremony, and in a culture in which women often remain veiled, Jacob didn't realize until morning that he had married Rachel's sister, Leah. He also could not have known that this injustice, which resulted in his having two wives, he married Rachel and the next week after agreeing to work another seven years, uh, would lead to 12 sons who would form the identity and, uh, of the nation Israel, that name given to Jacob after his wrestling match with God. At that, uh, at that time, his personal life was a mess, but his journey had an everlasting purpose. Through enormous family dysfunction, we read of rape and retribution, hostile rivalries. God shapes the story of his purpose. We don't know how he does that, but it's extremely comforting because we all, to some degree, have dysfunctional families. If God can speak into the chaos of the patriarchal family and bring meaningful design, just as he had spoken, into the chaos of Genesis and brought forth a world teeming with life and beauty. He can speak into our lives with the same purpose and the same result. Even a life filled with missteps and mistakes can be a vital part of God's plan.